1: The Leadership File, on Premier. Welcome to The Leadership File, with me, Andy Peck. The name Winston Green, Birmingham may sound familiar to you. It was the location for the infamous Channel 4 documentary series Benefit Street, which raised the interest and emotions of many. What you may not know was that it was also the place where theologian Leslie Newbigin ministered. Those who've studied missions will have come across his groundbreaking books, including Gospel in a Pluralist Society and Foolishness to the Greeks. Both books on the importance of communicating the gospel in appropriate language. Well, I'm joined this week by Ash Barker, who works today in Winson Green. Ash and his wife Angie are the founding directors of the Newbigin School for Urban Leadership, After 25 years as urban Christian activists and leaders based in Melbourne and in Bangkok's larger slums, they sensed a call to Winston Green to be immersed again in a frontline urban neighbourhood and focus on investing in a new generation of urban leaders. So great to have you on the show, Ash.
0: Thank you, Andy. Thank you for having me. Really grateful.
1: Um, So, I mean, your own journey to faith, um, obviously back in Melbourne?
0: Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Melbourne. My, My parents came to faith not long after I was born, I think. Cope with me, really, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and Mum led me to the Lord at a very young age. Um, but really, it was when I was about eighteen or so that, um, but yeah, yeah, I sensed a, a called to a, a Tony Campolo meeting, and uh, and Campolo said, you know, will you go anywhere for the cause of Christ and surrender yourself fully to God? And so I stood up as an eighteen-year-old, thinking in my mind actually I'll go to China, and so this kind of call faith and call for mission were kind of really entwined for me uh actually I, I stood up uh, and six months later i met a young woman called angie who also stood up at that same meeting oh well she, thought she was going to going to haiti and uh well we fell madly in love we got married as 20 year olds and then uh then started in with youth for christ and uh and then yeah started at the neighbors of hope which we ran for 20 years uh as a missionary order among the poor and Including twelve years in Bangkok's largest Hong on Toy.
1: Well, fantastic! Uh, what is what a lovely story of uh, you both being in that meeting, though not knowing each other, <laughs> and then subsequently meeting. That's fantastic. Um, and so, um, for for you, ministry was was what? How did you know when you sensed that call? Was it about preaching? Was it about evangelism? Was it about caring? How did you understand it?
0: Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, I think for me, it's around discipleship. Really, calling people to encounter and follow jesus and to join with what god's doing and you know in the early days we were working primarily in prisons actually um with young people who were quite distressed and uh their backgrounds are really difficult uh and, and then actually come kind of asking how do we prevent young people from from you know falling into these cracks because once they're down these holes it's really difficult and so we had a look in melbourne and said where are these young people coming from who were ending up in prison, and they weren't coming from every neighbourhood. They were only coming from a few, and those neighbourhoods were places where the church, by and large, was absent. And and so we relocated ourselves into one of those neighbourhoods, and then I think mission became not just how do we disciple young people, but how do we help whole families, whole neighbourhoods actually, encounter Jesus and, and live the kind of lives that God intends people to live together. Um, and so, yes, a mission became, over time, really, not just about individuals, but um, about whole communities and how could we see whole communities discipled. Um, of course, Matthew 28, that great call to disciples, he talks about discipling whole nations, actually. Will yeah. <laughs> the nations be discipled? And, and so I think that kind of angle has become more and more present, present to us over time as well. And so, yes, we're loving people, inviting people into our homes, Immersing ourselves into the life of a neighbourhood and trying to work with God. Lester Newbegin, who was who was introduced as being here in Winston Green, once said, "The role of the church is to be a sign, a foretaste, an instrument of God's coming kingdom in a place." And I think for us, place-based ministry became really important. That we yeah, it wasn't just about individuals; it was about individuals within a context being transformed. In Jesus, and uh, yeah, we saw that happen in Auburn and. And then a in Bangkok as well. And now, now here in Winston Green, we're seeing signs of it.
1: Well, indeed, yes. Uh, so, I mean, describe Winston Green for us.
0: You know what? I, I love it. I hate Winston Green. On, on best days, I absolutely love to see it, it. It can be like a big urban village, where people are living in high density, kind of living. It does have a prison, so 1,600 of my neighbours are incarcerated. Wow. And, uh, and I've, uh, I'm fortunate to be able to be one of the chaplains at the prison half a day a week and, and help with the chapel service and support the chaplaincy team in there as well and, and support people coming out. But it is a, a high-density living place. I mean, the Benefit Street documentary series showed one side of it, of um, you know, the, the, the kind of explosiveness that can happen in a place like this. But actually, day to day, you get to meet these wonderful people who are coming from Syria, they're coming from Afghanistan, they're coming from all the nations of, of the world and and uh, are ending up here as our neighbours. And um, I, I think, I guess the surprise has been, and the reason I hate winter green from time to time, is uh, just what poverty and oppression can do to people. And when you see some of my neighbours living at uh, 16 people in a two-bedroom terrace house and uh, you know have no recourse to public funds and are trying to trying to make a go of it you think well this is not fair for people to live in these kinds of conditions and you know what we expected that in Bangkok in I mean up the slum we lived there was a hundred thousand people in a square kilometer um, but we didn't expect it here in the UK we thought it would be a less intense place to live in some ways we need to be poverty issues and and this is where we wanted to embed ourselves but I think both Ange and I have been hugely surprised by the nutrition of young young people, of the lack of services and provision and access to basic basic things. So, yeah, so I, I love it and I hate it. Right.
1: And and eth, you said a, you got an ethnic mix. Is there a predominant ethnic background to folk, or is it is it really very no, very, very mixed?
0: It's very very mixed. Um, my, my wife is based at the local primary school and they have about 240 students there, and they have 40 languages spoken so
1: gracious, man. And,
0: uh, yeah. and so, yeah, it's hyper-diversity, and mm. cities around the world are becoming more diverse, and uh, and certainly Winston Green is one of those places where there's actually not... uh if you walk down the street, you'll see everything. You'll see a, a Sikh neighbour, you'll see a Muslim neighbour, you'll see uh, Buddhist and Hindu and uh, white British. you see, you see everything yeah. yeah.
1: So you're, you, when you uh, first arrived, what what were your particular priorities and how has things evolved from that point?
0: Yes. Um, you know, well, our arrival was quite difficult. I mean, Ange went w- straight into the school, but it was a school that was um, facing closure and, uh, and Oasis, which is a Christian charity and an academy, uh, really wants to do the heavy lifting in neighbourhoods like this. And uh, and so they took over the school, and Ange became as part of that team to try and resurrect the school. Really, um, so Ange's first involvement was was through there, and so she got to meet all the all the families and hear all the issues. One of the big dramas of of, of the school very quickly we found out was that that uh, students uh, there's a I think at the moment it's about 59% turnover rate of students each year. So. Um, you've got people coming for, t- for three or four months, getting really cheap rental here, and then kind of moving on.
1: My word. And so
0: it took us yeah. a little while to trying to find our feet about the kind of community this was. And,
1: oh.
0: um, and, and my role originally in was going to be based at a theological college, um, and that for all kinds of reasons didn't work out. And so we had I got a job working in the prison, actually, uh, and that, uh, that helped us see the world... Uh, with different kind of eyes, and um, and then uh, eventually the Ubigan School for Urban Leadership has been formed. Basically, in the old vicarage, we were able to get access to the vicarage that wasn't being used. Um, it was just being rented out, and that rent came up, and um, and so we've been able to rent the, this um, wonderful old vicarage. You know, seven bedroom. We pack it out with maybe two hundred people a week coming through for meals and for support groups and leadership training and retreats and all kinds of things here. And we live we live in Newbiggin. What um, the Bishop of Birmingham um, really got a vision for it with us as well. He, li- he knew Leslie personally. And uh, when we opened the uh, opened Newbigan House, uh, Bishop David was um, gave the blessing. And it was a crazy day. We had all these animals. So one of the things we've been able to do um, to try and connect with the local community, and that really was some of our first priorities, how do we become known characters in the unfolding drama of this neighbourhood? That became a really important priority for us. And uh, we discovered that lots of people love animals. So we have alpacas in our backyard. And uh, we take them over to the school, and, and neighbors literally jump out of their house wanting selfies with the alpacas uh, and with us. And we got to know people really quickly. And, uh, and that, that, was, that, that was some of the start. And uh, yeah, on, on the opening of Newbigan House, we had all these animals here, we had all these kids here. And John Newbigan, Leslie's son, was there. And he said, You know what? My dad didn't want to come to be in the city. I uh, didn't want to come to Winston Green but he said, Look, the the church can't withdraw really from you in the inner city and they were looking to close down the local USC church and he said, I'll come if no one else will come. Well he came and uh and John Newbegin said, I think my dad as I look around today and see all these people here and these animals and people enjoying this place, that my dad would feel vindicated to coming. <laughs> and uh and and I, I think that's that's kinda of how we feel too, that we're building on the kind of work that Leslie did here and that uh yeah, I mean, you look, you look at a place like Wintergreen. You can look at all the problems, but it has a rich heritage. I mean, John uh, James Watt, the guy that you know discovered the steam engine, yes. his first factory to do that was here in this neighbourhood. Well, wow. uh, Matthew Bolton, one of the early industrialists who helped bring about the industrial revolution, he was here in this neighbourhood, and so this has a very rich kind of place to to put roots down and to connect with. And I guess that was our our vision really. Could we? Been embedded part of this neighbourhood, and and grow something you know that would uh, that would touch the world.
1: Yeah. So was Newbegin one of your heroes? Is that why
0: you called him? The, he house? was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know him personally, but I read his books. In fact, any one of my age, if I'm Forty Seven, um, any of us going through uh, college, Bible college, theological training, um, would have read Leslie Newbegin's Gospel and Plural Society or Foolishness to the Greeks. He wrote them while he was here in Winston Green and. Those two books, talking about multi-faith, multicultural society, how do Christians be not timid but not arrogant, how do we be confident in our faith and yet uh, not oppressive towards others, really struck a chord with a whole generation of people like myself and, uh, and really informed the way we went about mission and ministry.
1: Well, you're listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Ash Barker. Ash works in Winson Green. Uh, he and his wife, Angie, are founding directors of the Newbegin School for Urban Leadership. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Ash Barker. Ash works in New- Winson Green in Birmingham. He and his wife, Angie, are the founding directors of the Newbegin School for Urban Leadership. We were talking before the break a little of his own story. Uh, both growing up in, uh, in Melbourne, come to faith uh, getting married m- moving on to uh, to Bangkok to a uh, um, uh, ministry there and then uh, uh eventually now to to winston green and so tell us a little bit more um ash about this development of uh of urban leadership training and and your desire to invest as it were in the next generation
0: yes we when, when look around the world you see urbanisation happening at a, at a rapid rate. Um, you know, more than half the world now lives in in urban areas. Um, I mean, 200 years ago, it was, it was less than, than 4%. So most of the world will live in urban areas. Um, 75% will live in urban areas by the middle of the century. And uh, and so, by and large, the kind of way Christian faith and mission has tried to engage in uh, urban areas has struggled it struggled in cities around the world um, and so I guess we look at what kind of qualities will make a difference and particularly with emerging younger leaders how do we help give them the kind of encouragement they need but also the kind of qualities they need and three qualities have quickly stood out for us first of all compassion that you need to love people in place God's sent you to and how do you nurture compassion, how do you build compassion, how do you avoid cynicism and being overwhelmed and closing down in, in extreme places of urban poverty. And then there's innovation. You have to keep finding new ways to do things, for old ways that it may have even worked last year, may not work this year, because there can be a turnover of people, there can be a a moving of things around, factories can be closed Anything could kind of happen uh in, in urban areas. And uh, we have to adapt quickly and be nimble. And lastly, we feel like the quality of resilience becomes important. That if we're going to go against the culture in the best sense of the word, of of rather than being mobile and superficial, if we're going to go deep into a place with people's lives, how can we build resilience? How can we um, get back up after the knocks? How can we avoid just being an ego-driven kind of ministry. And they're the kind of qualities we think are really important. And the kind of ministries that I think will make a difference have to do with with social entrepreneurship, the idea that you can just get money centrally from some fund and that'll help. I mean, those days have gone. And so the urban leaders of today and tomorrow need to be able to generate their own funds in meaningful ways that can make a, a real difference in the community. Um, we, we obviously see community building when people are isolated or lonely. Often the their initial instinct isn't to be able to build community. Actually, it can be um, destroying of community. People don't have the capacity. And so helping people learn to build community. And then community organizing and campaigning, being able to go upstream and look at why why, why is it that so many people in Winston Green are, um, are struggling with basic health and um, why are they struggling with mental health? And why are so many missing out on education and healthcare? care? Um, we have to go upstream. Why are so many people missing out? Um, and so um, Desmond Tutu's words, it comes a time when you can't just pull people out of the stream. You've got to go upstream and see who's pushing them in. And so we need to find ways to help people solve their own problems. Uh, and community organizing says the people with the problems are the best people to deal with them. And when those people work together, the best chance of change happens. So enabling urban leaders to pick up these kind of qualities uh, and these kinds of uh, leadership skills, I think, are really important going forward. And so so that's what we're trying to do. But we want to be a seedbed for urban change here, so people come and learn and grow. As a New Begin Associate is one of our programs here. But also we're linking in with uh, theological colleges as well and doing pieces of work around these these kinds of themes as well. Um, um, Nazarene Theological College have a, a master's program in admission and we're running um, four of their subjects. Um, some of them here in the UK but also in Nairobi, Kenya and uh, Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, and so there's a whole lot of um, international work that's kind of going on as well including, um, and this was kind of a surprise for us, we didn't expect this when we first arrived but supporting um, a, a global initiative uh, called Urban Shalom Project and so the United Nations has been looking at the future of cities and it's horrified, really, in so many ways. Um, urbanisation is such a challenge. And uh, and so we've been saying, well, faith communities have a, have a role to play in bringing about resilient and sustainable urbanisation. And we're at the grassroots, we're at the coalface. We can help, support and bring people together in ways that few other people can. So um, last year I was at a United Nations gathering with 45,000 global leaders uh, representing 600 million evangelical Christians into that, those discussions. And we've been asked this year, would we run a faith communities and the cities we need uh, uh, gathering in Singapore? And so we're hosting that as well. And so we're bringing people together, I guess, diverse urban leaders and trying to see change, both from the ground up but also from the top down in terms of the, the bigger power players and structures as well. And it all helps by being embedded in a neighbourhood like Winston Green.
1: Sure, no, fabulous. Um, and um, uh, do you have a kind of profile of, a, of, of an average student that you have? Is it, What sort of age would they be? How much experience? You
0: know, what we, yeah, you know, we, we have three kinds of, of profiles, really. One is the relocator. Generally, the younger, a bit like Ange and I were when we started out, and uh, we may not be from a working class or a poorer poor you know, background, um, but we need to learn how to engage. And so... The relocator is a really important kind of person who can bring bring all kinds of gifts, but also has to give up a lot, has to relocate physically, but also in terms of uh, you know, mentally, in terms of how do we become connected and in solidarity and not abuse our power and our privilege. And so the relocator is important. The, the returner, the, the folks who may have lived in a working class community before, maybe even grown up and escaped, <laughs> all kinds of reasons. Uh, And uh, and those kind of folks who decide to to return, who decide to come back. They've um, got their rehab out the way, they've raised a family, they've done all kinds of things. So actually, we have a couple of folks who are older who are brilliant. They've got so much life experience, they connect easily, they become kind of grandparent figures for people in the neighbourhood. And uh, so the returners are important. And then there's the remainers, the folks who actually could lead, communities like Winston Green but decide to stay for the sake of the gospel and uh, those those folks have some obviously are, are really important and we saw in Bangkok one of our neighbors her name was poo P double and uh, she came from when she came from the slum in Fo in she was a great cook and uh, but when the price of rice went through the through the roof she couldn't afford to, to sell her food for the price and and she'd become um, in debt and in debt to some pretty dangerous people. But uh, Angela worked with her to start uh, a, a great cooking school. And it became, she was so good at it. She'd take people to the local markets and bring them back. You'd show them how to cook great Thai food and tourists a In fact, it became the number one thing to do on TripAdvisor. And then uh, we got a book. And, of course, uh, Pooh's, what else could be called Pooh's book, but Cooking with Pooh.
1: Right, sure, and, sure.
0: Uh, and, and it won the Frankfurt Book fair, award, well. <laughs> book fair Award for the oddest book title of the year and it just went crazy um, Danny Oliver had her on his show Yeah, wow. um, it sold 50,000 copies and Pooh could have could have left the Clontoy, that would have been easy for her to do but she decided to stay and by staying she's been able to raise up all kinds of urban leaders so people like Pooh are really important the remainers, the folks who could leave but decide to stay and, uh, and so yeah, they're the kind of people so all kinds of ages all kinds of backgrounds everyone's needed in some way um, but they they're, they're the really strategic leaders that we're willing to engage with
1: wonderful well um, I mean in terms of the future um, Ash just before we, we, we we're due to close what's 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 on the kind of horizon
0: I mean one of our hopes coming here was to try and get a, a national emerging lead urban Merging Leaders course together. We're calling it Urban Change Makers. We're not quite ready for it. We haven't quite got the contacts and connections, but the idea is could we get you know, 18 to 30-year-olds who are from a state from tough kind of backgrounds who often don't have the resources or networks to be able to help their dreams kind of uh, uh, be, be percolated and, and, and come alive? And so could we bring teams? Actually, when we did the research on this, what would help working-class leaders uh, one of the things we got back was, look, don't do an emerging leaders course. Because what happens is you identify some high potential people, they come to these courses, they meet other high potential people and they leave the community. They're a brain drain. Right. right. Um, but could you do teams? And so teams come with their ideas, um, we'll do some intensives, we'll do some coaching, um, and by the end their idea can be pitched to like a dragon in touching of potential investors. And so this is one of the programs we're hoping to get up called Urban Change Makers. We, we thought we'd try and do it this September but we just haven't quite got got the um, enough of a groundswell. So the next 12 months or so we're going to do some interviews and podcasts with emerging urban leaders and try and build a, yeah, build a groundswell for this. Um, it's difficult but when you talk to all kinds of church leaders who are the emerging urban leaders that you know, a lot of a lot of church leaders just look, blankly. we don't know any emerging urban leaders. Um, most of our leaders uh, come from middle-class backgrounds and um, at universities um, and so to provide an alternative and to provide a pathway for these kinds of leaders seems to be really important but it may take longer than we, um, than we thought but that's certainly on the horizon for us and what we're really praying into
1: Wonderful, well it's great to have these aspirations and if, if someone's listening and they're interested in, in discovering more obviously they go to your website and you, you know, presumably you're enrolling for your school of leadership at some point
0: Yes that's right, um, so it's just newbeginhouse.uk and uh, and we would love to love to,
1: to hear from people. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for for sharing. For I sense your enthusiasm, for your passion, for for what is you know a, a very challenging area of leadership. But uh, thank you for all you've shared and for your being an inspiration to so many. Oh,
0: thank you so much for having me on. I'm so
1: grateful for you. Well, bless you. Uh, you've been listening to the Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Ash Barker. He works in Winston Green in Birmingham. Founding directors of the newbegin School for Urban Leadership and uh, as I say you can go to the uh, website and discover more uh, you can of course log on to Premier's website and go on demand if you want to listen to this again uh, very shortly it will also be on iTunes so go to iTunes you can, can subscribe to uh, the leadership file and get the uh, the latest podcast onto your listening device uh, uh, so you can listen at your leisure or wherever you happen to be so uh, great to have Ash uh, today thank you thank you to Ash and uh, thank you thank you you so much for having me and thank you for listening and I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30